The Jen Charlton Show on 930 WFMD, blending business and politics with your host, Jen Charlton. Good morning and welcome to the Jen Charlton Show. And it's great to have everybody with us. And, you know, I'm I'm really excited about 2023. I mean, 2020, 21, 22, they were a mess. But as we've, you know, kind of grabbed our way out of the abyss we've been in, I'm seeing hope. I'm really excited for that. And there's a lot of stuff that's being revealed. And we are in a position now of understanding things like we've never understood things before. And that can be a little scary because when you're discovering information that you didn't know, sometimes you think, what's wrong with me that I didn't see that before? It's so obvious, right? Well, sometimes it isn't. And it's kind of hidden from our view. And as we're looking at criminality right now, I mean, we've been looking at the Department of Justice. We've been looking at different agencies within that Department of Justice. We've been looking at some of the other tough issues like Jan 6. But when we look at how do we understand criminology today, and I'm no expert, but I have somebody here who is, most of it falls under what we call the digital age. We are now in the digital age. And I have a young son who we call tech support. So when we can't figure it out because mommy and daddy are old, we call tech support. And these kids know they, it's just second nature to them. They don't have to think or read a manual. So I have with me today Dr. Seth Cowan, and he is the director of digital forensics, so it's a little different, of Veteran Lab Services. And they're based in Linthicum. The business is a combat service disabled veteran-owned small business. That's a mouthful. But his expertise is in electronic detection, digital forensics, and medical lab services. And Dr. Cowan is an industry-recognized expert in digital forensics and cybersecurity. He spent the last 20 years in the cybersecurity law enforcement and digital forensics space. He earned his Ph.D. in computer and information security. And I'm so honored to have you with us. Good morning, Seth, and welcome to the Jen Charlton Show. Thank you. I'm happy to be here and uh, happy to talk to your audience about digital forensics. Yeah, very good. And, you know, so many of us use it every day, but we don't understand, you know, how much it really does run or impact our lives. I think we it's kind of right. like air we breathe. We kind of don't notice it. It's just there. Can you start by telling people a little bit about why did you get into digital forensics? Oh, absolutely. So my background, as you described a second ago, goes back 20 years. Um, I originally thought when I was early in my career, still in college, that I wanted to get into traditional law enforcement. Um, as life throws you curves and everything, um, I really got interested in technology. And I got interested in the digital side of law enforcement. And so one thing led to another. Um, I ended up getting a master's degree in information technology. Um, I took advanced courses in digital forensics and then, um, and then later got, um, a doctorate degree in computer and information security and did even more, um, advanced studies in forensics. And then professionally, I've ended up, um, working in digital forensics, cybersecurity and law enforcement, but it's really, 
what's a passion to me is um, technology is everywhere. Everyone uses it, even the criminals. And so being able to to serve your community and country with that expertise um, is important to me. And I really want to talk about the difference you guys are making in some key areas uh, against the bad guys. I'd, li- I'd like to start, though, with what's one memory you have or one experience that was really meaningful? It, it Maybe it, it changed your life in terms of your work in digital forensics. Oh, my gosh. So there is a lot of um, um, professional experiences that I could point to. I think the thing that sticks with me that when you talk about the importance of what we do, at VLS and even everyone in that's the space that we operate in, it's helping the victims, being able to help and secure and make your community safer. One of the one of the largest things that people in digital forensics have to deal with is um, is cases involving children, human trafficking, uh, things like that. And so, so those are impactful to you, especially when you have to examine the digital media that has that type of content on it so it's really it really has an impact on you wow and i again you know i've talked about u.s marshals i can't say enough about the work that they're doing to recover women and children um through their repurposing of their talents from catching bad guys to catching and recovering bringing to safety those people who are being human trafficked so do you work hand-in-hand hand with federal, state law enforcement? How does that work? Sure. Um, so so at v- VLS, we, um, as a company, we're unique in the sense that because we're private, we can work with federal law enforcement, local state law enforcement, or the private sector. So, so we work with agencies um, within each of those, those areas, um, obviously, Specifically, who they are, we have confidentiality agreements, but um, we do work with them. We um, work investigations with them. We we train with them. One thing that I think is fascinating about the work that we do at VLS is we have electronic detection canines, which is to me a fascinating area because they're able to detect. Um, electronics that the human eyes can't see. And so in all aspects of law enforcement, federal, state, local, and we were talking a second ago about human trafficking investigations, those are areas where we're able to work, partner with them, collaborate with them, and really provide a service that many of these agencies don't have. And so we're proud to, to be that partner and be able to provide that to them. As you know, we had your canine group come out yes. to my place of business. We own a gym, and we want I wanted to see the process and what you do to make business locations safe and secure, and particularly yes. in a gym environment, right? Um, and I know there have been some companies who had some issues where people had placed things and they were watching people, and it was it's creepy. 
good news. You didn't find anything. But I did witness that process. And uh, Queenie yep. was awesome, your dog. And Shelly, her handler, was fabulous. And so I was really grateful to be able to see that. Because I think everyday people, we don't understand the law enforcement side of of observing and, and investigating at that level of intricacy. Right. When you look at the canine unit, how utilized is it? Good question. So how utilized is it? So let's think of it in this scale. There's 18,000 plus law enforcement agencies in the United States. There's only about roughly 100 electronic detection canines out there. And VLS has three of them. And we have partner um, agreements with two other companies that have them as well. So if you think of the scale of 18,000, and there's only 100 of them, it's real small, but the what they do and the impact they have is tremendous. I'm of the opinion every investigative agency, law enforcement agency should have, should have them or have access to them. And that's kind of what we're doing at VLS is doing outreach, trying to reach out to every level of law enforcement out there to tell them what what we can do for them because what they don't know can prevent them from um, maybe solving crimes or um, closing out cases. And specifically, if you look at like jurisdictions like where we're at uh, in Maryland, like Baltimore, that is just has so much crime, we can provide an, um, a service and an impact to them. And it's so that's just one example of the scale of what we can do. And um, even though it's kind of limited. So with the canine units. Yes. And you mentioned private and public. Yes. I believe you're not only working with agencies, but you're also working with individuals and families, correct? How does that work? Correct. Yes. So that um, is where I think we provide a value. Um, so privately, um, we work with companies. So you mentioned your gym and we were at your gym yesterday. We um, work with other gyms, popular gyms, and we want to work with even more of those type of um, gyms where we come in, we provide a service, we can come during business hours after, and we can look for hidden monitoring devices um, in the changing rooms, showers, wherever. And so we're, we do work with, with companies like that um, to give them a level of confidence and comfort that their environment is secure and protected. Um, in terms of like families, we can also work with, with individuals, with attorneys. We, we had a client who was going through a divorce and was concerned that her house or car uh, had a camera or a listening device. And so we were able to, to bring our team in, bring our dogs in, um, sweep their house and their car and give them the thumbs up that we didn't find anything and that there's that level of comfort. And that, so it's beyond law enforcement. It's businesses and individuals. And peace of mind. If you're listening to The Jen Charlton Show, I'd like to thank our sponsor, Sweeties on the Creek. We're scooping out, and we'll be right back. 
past editions of this program are available in the audio vault at WFMD.com. Welcome back to the Jen Charlton Show. It's great to have you here with us. And I have with me today Dr. Seth Cowan, and we are talking about digital forensics. And when you look at when you look at all aspects of our life, it's everywhere. And I love that you're helping private citizens. Now, it doesn't take long. I mean, you guys covered a 5,500-square-foot gym with four bathrooms and some closets and storage in about mm, 30 minutes max. I mean, it was not long. So it's not like it has to be a major disruption in somebody's business operations, but the overall benefit is good. And same thing for for families. And I would think, you know, let's go to human trafficking because this is something that triggered out of what you said earlier. If somebody, God forbid, their child is missing, would that family hire you? Because I would. I mean, I'd come in and say, okay, how can you help me find my child? Right. So, so it's absolutely possible that um, if that under that scenario the, that they could um, partner with us, uh, hire us. We can come in, um, and our, because our goal is to find the electronics, we believe that. And there's actually there's actually a study out that was published last year, which is perfect timing, and it uh, and it said that. Digital evidence is becoming more valuable than physical evidence and DNA to solve crime and to prosecute crime. And so if you think of what I was talking about earlier, we have 18,000 law enforcement agencies out there, um, some small, medium, large, and thus the amount of crime that they investigate, they're going to have to turn to... um, to, to digital evidence. And so to your question about human trafficking, that we can work with the families or we can work with the law enforcement agencies. And so, and in that scenario, I would think that um, no matter who we partner with, we would put full effort into it and um, try to find any digital device that can then help family and then the law enforcement to find the, their children. So that's amazing. So when you do the work that you do, how many other companies like you are there across the country? In terms of electronic detection canines, um, we, we're the only digital forensic lab that has that capability. So in terms of private sector, we're it. There are law enforcement agencies that have that, but in terms of companies, um, we're the only one that has this canine service in terms of digital forensics. There's only there's only about ten in the United States that are internationally accredited like us. So That's we recently amazing. got that. That's very cool. Yes. So uh, my question is, I, I mean, if the law enforcement agencies had that technology, why would they need you? But I suspect it's because they don't have the robust technology and and um, abilities that you have as your private lab, except for maybe FBI or whatever, sure. the very large institutions. But, you know, when you look at the local law enforcement or even state, do they have the capability that you have or do they need your services? So 
There are, so of course I'm going to say they need our services. <laughs> <laughs> Good answer. Yes. I was just testing. <laughs> but so a lot of the larger agencies have digital forensics. It, to me, it's those the medium-sized agencies that, and the smaller agencies that need the services that we provide. In terms of here in Maryland, we're the only internationally accredited digital forensic lab private in the state. So, yes, Maryland State Police and some of the larger jurisdictions have a digital forensic lab. Um, some are accredited, some aren't, but um, the vast majority of them don't have this level of capability. Having a lab environment that's internationally accredited, and so so what that means to, to them and to to your listeners is it means that we're using a defined scientific process, and it's a repeatable process. It's one that can be scrutinized in the court of law. It's one that is legally defensible. So I have with me today Dr. Seth Cowan, and he's with Veteran Lab Services, and they're here in Maryland. And it's really interesting to understand that world because I think, like I said, most of us take it for granted. We expect it to be there, but apparently it's not everywhere. And how would you build out this to the point where it would be more available uh, to ensure that as we are all kind of run by digital, that we would have the capacity to use it when we need it? Because one thing I learned through uh, one of your employees is that bad guys are very astute. They're very uh, adept at using digital to do yes. their business, whether it's human trafficking or it's drug trafficking or, you know, the bad guys have a lot of tech. Is that right? Yes, absolutely. So the bad guys have the tech and they're using it to either communicate with others to facilitate their crime. They're using it to store evidence of their crime. So it's ubiquitous. It's everywhere. And so if the bad guys are using it, then then the good guys, so to speak, need to have a capability to to locate the devices and then examine it, analyze it, and have expertise to the level that it can be presented in a court law to get convictions. And so um, if you have a piece of it, you can find it, but then you can't examine it or you don't have the expertise to describe it in a court of law. And you are an expert witness. So you're somebody who goes into the court and knows how to present the evidence in a way that, you know, supports your um, findings. Absolutely. I have uh, testified um, in court before and I've got the I've got the background, the expertise to if it's needed to do that again. Okay, so in the world of digital forensics, and again, I'm coming at it from a layman, so I'm, I don't even know what I don't know. <laughs> but how would you explain the opportunity for people, and maybe we should do this when we come back from the break, but really talk about how somebody could get into digital forensics. My very dear friend who studied it at University of Maryland Global Campus, and yes. you're a teacher there. Yes. And so... Absolutely. It's a growing field just looking at, like we've already established, the amount of crime that uses technology. It's everywhere. And so the need for 
quality and qualified um, people to to be able to to work in this field is growing, and I can certainly certainly elaborate on that so everybody we're going to take a break i want to remind you to go to wherever you have your you get your podcasts we are on apple and you can listen also to this show anywhere you are so if you're traveling over the weekend and you don't want to miss an episode listen to the wfmd app download it out of your app store and you can listen wherever you are every 9 a.m on saturday morning also make sure that you can share these podcasts because this information is very useful for people and you never know when you may need a digital forensic expert you're listening to the jen charlton show right here on wfmd welcome back to the jen charlton show and i have with me today seth cowand and dr cowand is an expert in digital forensics and before the break, we were talking about training people up in this arena because it's really something where not everybody could just walk in and do this. You really have to have some training on it. So talk to us about the the education that's required for someone to make a career of this. Sure. Uh, so so there are a lot of um, community colleges, a lot of the universities who have digital forensics? Um, some are at the at the two year level, com- community college, college level. Some are at the four years. Some are at the graduate level. So you said uh, before the break, uh, you got a friend uh, who went to the University of Maryland Global Campus, which I'm affiliated with also. So that's a a great place to start. It's um um so to work in this field, it really requires understanding several areas understanding not only the technology so that's where you would learn about information technology computer science how do computers work how do they store information how do they transmit it because each if you understand those then you can kind of understand where the digital evidence is located that you can then go find and um then you have the criminal justice side of it and the law side of it. so being able to study criminal justice, understanding um, the Constitution, understanding what you're li- how you're limited in what you can do. So, like in law enforcement, if we're um, retained by a law enforcement agency, we obviously have to have a search authority, a search warrant, a subpoena, something something like that. Um, and so, because there are and probable cause and probable cause, because every because we all have civil rights and constitutional rights, so we don't want them um, violated. So having that understanding, what that means, understanding that you need that, and and then um, it's just really understanding the process of. Um, working in that criminal justice field. So it's it's not just being smart in technology. You also have to have an understanding of of the litigation and the court side of it. So let's talk about what kind of dig in there because right. I think that's interesting. Yeah. Right now we just had the Idaho case. Yes. Where they used 
was it geofencing technology to identify where he was, where he went, what his digital footprint was? Is that an accurate way to assess it? Correct. So, so that is, so, so geofencing is basically a technology where you can ex- examine through technology, through um, where um, cell phones are traveling to and from, and like uh, where you can look at a geographic location to see who was there at a certain time. So how does that then reconcile with one's constitutional rights and honoring that that notion of privacy when I'm using digital technology? How do you know, how do we maintain that constitutional safety net right. but also be able to pierce through it in order to get evidence when needed? So that's a good question, and we could probably spend a whole show on that. <laughs> um, so I would just say this from a constitutional – so so I'm not a lawyer, so I'm just going to speak from a practitioner's perspective on um, – um, to that question. So all of the big technology companies are tracking you or tracing um, whether it's with your – with your phone, with the different apps that you use on your phone. Um, your automobile is a big source of tracking and tracing as well. That, um, And so there's all of this technology out there, a lot of this tracking where you go at, at all times. And so... Um, so, I'm trying so there's a little to, bit of that big brother yes. creepy, right? Like, okay... You know, Big Brother's watching. And sure. then there was this whole controversy around TikTok. Yes. And the Chinese Communist Party is involved with them. Right. So how do we know that we as a nation, let alone individuals, are protected? So I, um, part of it is look at the apps that you're using. Um, when you download it, um, usually from one of the app stores, you can see who owns it. You can um, even see... Part of the process of when you download it, it's going to ask you, do you give permission to to use your camera? Do you give permission to use your the data, um, different data that your phone collects automatically? Um, it's going to ask you permission. So it'll give you a sense of... Do you allow us to share it back? Sh- sure. Yeah. So that is one of the questions. Mm-hmm. Can you share it back to them? And so do you authorize sharing with third parties so there's a when you download it that's your opportunity to kind of learn what the app is doing what is it collecting on you yeah but you know nobody reads those fine print contracts oh my gosh they make them so long you wouldn't want to bother true i wouldn't say that you're referring to like the long user agreement yes so that's a good point but even at the point of downloading and installing and creating an account with an app, it asks you, do you give permission to, for the company, the app, to do certain things? But um, What is your recommendation? I mean, it might be different as a professional than it would be as a parent, but, you know, what is your recommendation? So my rec- – so, well, so my recommendation – and so looping back to kind of um, as a digital forensic professional, these apps – can be used to collect information on you, which then can be used to, for individuals like me. I understand what the app is, especially if you have 
children who have the, who have cell phones who have a, who have apps on them. You mentioned TikTok, so that's one that comes to mind that has been in the news as being um, not having uh, pure intentions on what they're really doing. Um, and so, I think you're being nice. I, I would call them dangerous. True. True. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, absolutely, yeah. and there are, um, and it's even for that one specifically, it's getting to the point where governments like here in Maryland are prohibiting them on government devices. So if they're pro- prohibiting, here, shout out to parents, if they're prohibiting them on government devices, if you're an employer or a parent, you might want to be prohibiting them too. Correct. Uh, it's probably a really good policy. I'm going to go home today and delete it. My son's going to go nuts. Anyway, let's talk about some of the controversies around digital geofencing. And I say controversies only because we use it in marketing, right? I remember yes. I could hire a company and they would go in and it, for the demographic we were seeking to, uh, for the purpose we, you know, we were promoting, right. there were ways we could target certain companies, law offices or pediatricians or whatever, because we're looking for that client. Yes. Um, you know, in the case of trying to locate and, um, recruit, Foster parents, for example, you know, if somebody's walking into a pediatrician, well, they're probably a pretty good target audience for somebody who might consider being a foster parent. So we looked at that. But on the flip side of that, there's a, a, a movie that came out, 2000 Mules, that used geofencing to identify and they have the video. So it's not somebody made it up and it's a figment of their imagination. They have the data, visual data to support their claim that you know, these people did the ballot dumping and so forth. So this has become a big thing in election integrity and election fraud. So on one hand, they say that's nonsense and it's not true, but then you're in the business of geofencing and forensics and identifying where people go like the Idaho guy. So how do we come to terms with as a nation? One, it is that digital forensics is here to stay, and it works across all platforms, even the ones you don't want to see it in. Absolutely. And so uh, how do we deal with it? It's so robust and ubiquitous. It's everywhere. Every app that you have on your phone is tracking you in some way. It's um, Some of it is legitimate. Like if you're using like a popular app like DoorDash or something, it's it's going to track what you order, where you live, and where's the delivery driver. Some some things that are legitimate for what that app is intended for, and they are what we'll call modern conveniences. Correct, correct, and but it's what they're doing on the back end that's from a digital forensics perspective. We've done some research in this area. It's what they're doing on the back end with your data. Um, it's in, in um, other words, it's, are they selling your data to a third party so that they correct. can use it? So there are data aggregators. I think is the right term for them, where they buy groups of data, and then it allow for legitimate reasons. So, like you brought up, there's advertising purposes, there's marketing purposes for this, but. There's also other reasons that you can data mine that. Um, it can be used. Um, it takes specific technology uh, and platforms, but that can be used to to data mine to see 
at a date and time at a geographic location who was there or who was not there. So now this is a sensitive, I, I know you don't want to get into politics, but, um, you know, this is something that I've been covering, right. so I don't mean to be political with you, but I, I do think we can't step over this. Because in the case of the Jan 6 prisoners, apparently they're going after a 1,000 to 3,000 more people. And I believe how they're doing it is your digital forensics um, and absolutely. geofencing. So because somebody's present in a building that a police officer invited them into does not, in my mind, make them a criminal. And, you know, if somebody tore stuff up or created damage, well, that's on them and they they should be prosecuted. But to simply be in a public building and what they're charging them with and I'm bringing this back to my previous show so there's some continuity to what we've been covering, is the interruption of a political, of a government proceeding. And this is a very serious charge. And now they tried to amp it up to terrorism against Matthew Perna, and he committed suicide. So the stakes are high. The stakes are high on our country right now and our constitutionality. How do you, as a, as a man of science, maintain the integrity of your process and purpose in the midst of, frankly, some political people who are trying to destroy their opponents? So there's a lot there to talk about. Yeah. <laughs> um, in terms of how we at Veteran Lab Services maintain that integrity of that process, I'll... Um, I'll I'll address it in a couple ways. One is, going back to what we were talking about earlier, we're not going to do anything that we don't have a legal authority to do. So if, if a government customer, law enforcement agency comes to us, or even a private sector, and asks us to analyze some technology that is not under a legal authority, we're not going to do that because... We have integrity. We have character to um, uh, to, to maintain. Um, we also, so that goes to the heart of our international accreditation. Part of what they evaluated is how do we uh, do things in an objective manner and you don't let bias um, inject itself in that scientific process because um, if you have a political bias or a personal bias, um, it um, it can affect or a not social a, bias or a social bias. Absolutely, it can affect not only the conclusions that you make during your examination, but also it's going to show that you, as a company or you as an individual, have um, integrity problems, and that's something that we don't want to to even entertain and. So and, and that's no longer science. Correct. And this is where I Correct. think as a country, we have really lost our integrity. Yes. Because you cannot blur the lines between science and social. When you blur the lines between science purpose and social purpose, you now no longer are maintaining the integrity of what is truth. Correct. Right. And I, I really appreciate that we had this conversation because I know that a lot of people out there 
and I, I think if there's a, a group we call patriots, there's also a group called Americans, there's also a group called, you know, uh, foreign visitors. People are all looking at us to say, are we going to be that nation that loses that integrity? Because we're on the brink of it right now, and our constitutional rights are being are being violated in many ways. And so we, I, I love that you're you take that that very hard stance about character and integrity, because that's the essence of who I am. It's the essence of what this show is about, and it's the essence of who we must be as a nation. And anybody who violates that basic principle is against us as a nation. And I really mean that. I mean, that's a harsh statement. But um, so, I, you know, we just have a couple of uh, minutes. I want to take a, a quick break. We have with us today Dr. Seth Cowan. And Seth is a digital forensics expert. He often testifies. He is somebody who understands this process and maintaining um, the constitutionality of it all, right, in, yes. in the process of understanding uh, what the bad guys have done and hopefully catching them. So you're listening to The Jen Charlton Show. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Welcome back to The Jen Charlton Show. It's great to be with you guys today. And we're talking about digital forensics with Dr. Seth Cowan with the Veteran Lab Services, and they're based out of the BWI area, but they service, you know, the country, but they also are a unique organization working with local law enforcement, federal, as well as individuals and business owners. So I think now let's give people an opportunity. If they think, wow, I'd like to talk to see if this is even maybe appropriate for them, either personally or professionally, how would people find you? Absolutely, and I appreciate that. So... Um, so they can find us online at vetlabservices.com, or they can simply call us. So our office number is 443-384-0170, so, so they can reach us either way. Okay, now on the WFMD.com website, we will have a description of the show. We'll have Seth's links to LinkedIn and so forth. So as we go forward, you'll be able to connect in with our guests and and make sure that you can follow up with them if if you so choose so i guess Seth, the the last part of this for me is how important do you think it is that people are operating with the understanding that they are one vulnerable while they're using this modern convenience they're vulnerable and any sort of last minute you know kind of tips or advice for people to navigate the digital arena that we're now in absolutely yes so um it's definitely people need to to be aware of it they need to be aware of what is on their phone what apps are they using uh they need to be aware of just looking around as you're as you're living life all the technology all the cameras there's digital all around us in our vehicle on our on our phones and just who doesn't have a ring camera um, is starting to become to to the point where everyone's got a camera at their at their front door or a camera in their business. So just those are just a few examples of technology all around us. And so um, it's just 
be aware. I'm not one that says don't use technology because they're tracking you, but be aware and just when you're using it, understand that what what would you think if someone else saw what you were you were doing? Yeah, and I want to talk about digital breach. Yes. And I know of a doctor's office that just mentioned they'd had a digital breach. Banking companies have digital breaches. The local retailers have had digital breaches of their data. And if you purchased from them and you've used your credit card, you now have been breached. Yes. What do you tell people to do in those instances? Well, um... Well, a lot of it just comes down to, to me, just uh, common sense. One of them is if your financial information has been breached, then you might want to look at credit m- monitoring services, so those type of things. And also, also just be aware of who's emailing you, who's calling you. There are um, There's opportunities out there where people are sending you fake emails that look real. Those are called phishing attacks. Yeah, so in those cases, yes. you want to hover exactly. over that email or, or see what the URL is and make sure it's not a, a phony baloney. Yeah. Uh, uh, absolutely. So just be aware of what the email, even if it looks real, if they're asking you to click on a link or to, to provide personal information, that should be a red flag to you. So... And then lastly, everybody, you know, maybe it's, you know, if you have kids, how much should we be working with the educational institutions that our kids are involved with? How much do we need to know about that? I mean, I think most educational institutions are pretty secure, but I think about my son has a lot of digital now through school. How do we navigate through that with these educational institutions particularly not to get political but the whole crt thing is a real thing so we got to make sure that our kids are only getting the content we approve um, absolutely and i think it again going back to awareness being aware of what your children are doing um hi kids um, I've got school age kids, and they have technology. They use they use laptops in school. They bring it home. The, all their assignments are, um, or a lot of them are digital. Um, so just be aware of what they're doing when they're on the on those computers or their cell phones, whatever technology is being used. So it's just um, I feel as a parent, it's a responsibility to know. What technology, what content is being presented to them? And if you object to a lesson or something, then bring it up to the school. And the school board. And the, and school board. And the mama bears and papa bears are doing that. Yes. And, it's, and it's very, very important that we're more actively involved. The, the other point, and, and then we'll close on this, is also being responsible what we say or do on digital media because what you say or do is a reflection of who you are and back to kind of don't ever do or say anything you wouldn't want somebody else to play back to you because they can't absolutely and um that goes to email that goes to social media whether you're on instagram facebook whatever platform you're on text uh just be aware that others can see it and what would it look like if if it was presented back to you 
Yeah, very good. Everybody, we've had with us today Dr. Seth Cowan with Vet Lab Services. And it's been a pleasure to talk to you about all this. I've learned so much. And I know that our listeners really care about understanding the opportunities and the vulnerabilities of living in a digital age. So thank you for being here. Absolutely. I've enjoyed it. And I've Thank you so much. Yeah, you're welcome. So one more time, your uh, website is vetlabservices.com, vetlabservices.com, and you can also call them, and that phone number again? 443-384-0170. All right, everybody, listen, it's been great to be with you. Thank you. Have a fabulous week. Remember to go on to our podcast, click on WFMD.com, The Jen Charlton Show, Click on the link for the show, share it, and then wherever you get your podcast, make sure you rate us. Give us a great rating because you know you love us, and we look forward to having you with us next Saturday morning right here at 9 a.m. and WFMD.